the blueprints there. And in the beginning, I very literally took the blueprint. But as time has gone on, I've started recognizing that like, you know, the blueprint for men's is not the same for women's. People need to buy in way more. And like I'm saying brands, I'm saying across, you know, people are talking the talk, but are they walking the walk? I felt like I, you know, had so much still to learn. I didn't feel at all like I, you know, was in a position where it's like, now you're calling the shots. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. If I told you women's sports was on the rise, some of you would rightly say, about time. Why others of you might say something dismissive like, yeah, right, or I doubt it. So let's do some fact bombing. Last year, the Women's College World Series final averaged more than 1.8 million viewers on ESPN. That sounds pretty good, right? Now let's give that some context. That number is more than the most watched men's College World Series game and more than the network's Sunday night baseball show. Okay, let's do this again. Fact bombing is fun. Team USA's softball win over Australia to clinch a spot in the gold medal game, so this was not a gold medal game, drew 15.3 million viewers on NBC Sports. That is a larger audience than the 12.5 million who tuned in to watch the last game of the 2021 NBA Finals. That's impact. But that only tells part of the story. This growth story for women's sports isn't just about TV ratings. Our friends at Sports Innovation Lab did a massive research study identifying the qualities of women's sports fans, and they found them to be more innovative and committed. Today's guest, Camille Buxeda, is on the forefront of this growth. She created the WSLAM vertical for the iconic basketball property SLAM, and Camille has tapped into this fan base, identifying it's not just about stat sheets and offensive sets. This is about culture, fashion, music all of it coming together through the lens of sports. The WSLAM brand is showing how to merge sports and community into a thriving ecosystem set up for success. But let's hear more from her. Here is Forbes 30 Under 30 recipient, Creators of Color cohort member, and director of WSLAM, Camille Buxeda. Hey, Camille, how are you doing today? Thanks so much for joining me. Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. So this is a really cool conversation. There's a lot to cover with you. You're young into your career, but we've got the origination of W, Slam, Forbes 30 Under 30, Creators of Color, the growth of women's sports, a lot of stuff to tackle. But let's start out with a little bit of your origination story. You were a competitive gymnast for 15 years. Your dad was a professional basketball player in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Sports is in your blood. But when did you decide to make it your career path and your career aspiration? Oh, it it took me so long. Um, You know, I grew up in Puerto Rico and my dad was always in and around different sports from basketball main. That was his main sport forever. And then he went on to play tennis as well. And then um, I always viewed it as a hobby. You know, Um, I took it very seriously, obviously, when I was um, competing in gymnastics competitively and all that. But um, it wasn't something I really saw a future in from a professional standpoint. Um, until actually really close to the end of my senior year uh, at Florida State. I think it was about midway through when I started realizing, you know, um, okay, I I think I actually want to make this a a career as opposed to just a hobby, um, which I had been doing after working in the athletics 
department for a couple years in different capacities. So, um, yeah, it was really then. And, and I don't really know if there was a point where like, I realized like this is like, there wasn't an aha moment. I think it kind of yeah. happened gradually as I fell in love with the stuff I was doing outside of my academics. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was one of those things where I just kind of saw a future in it for myself. And then I kind of ran with it. I love that. So one of the things I noticed in your bio and background, too, is that you tried out a lot of things once you were kind of decided that sports was something you wanted to pursue. Mm-hmm. You did internships in operations, social media, premium seating, community relations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did these very ex- varied experiences kind of help you narrow in and find your true path towards the content creation side? Yeah, I mean, I think it's crazy to think about, but content creation just wasn't a thing for me. Just in the reality of the industry when I was in college, it's like makes me sound so old, but it's only what, (laughs) seven, eight years ago. (laughs) And so uh, it just wasn't something I ever viewed. So I was really open to testing um, so many different paths. Um, And I loved them all. I I really could see myself honestly filling any of those positions. I just fell in love with the content creation side because it allows um, me to to storytell, which is what allowed me to fall in love with sports in the first place. Um, And so I think I I really take all of those and cherish all those experiences, though, because I know each and every one has, you know, provided me so much insight into not only the industry, but what goes on behind the scenes as a whole. Um, for teams, for the people working and tirelessly at the teams and organizations, et cetera. So it was one of those things that like, I I really appreciate and look back on now with a lot of gratitude because it gave me so much perspective into, into, you know, the industry as a whole. It's so important to get that holistic view and really know Mm -hmm. how everything operates rather than just your niche of content creation. But I totally get the how you get that fever for the content creation too, because I've been doing it my entire career and I love it still. So um, many people in our audience may be undergrads and they're thinking to themselves, should I get my master's? Should I hit the workforce? You decided to go get your master's. You went to NYU yeah. and got your master's. Yeah. As you looked back at that experience, do you feel like that was a, a instrumental crossroads kind of decision that, that you look back on positively and say, that was a really important choice. Why did you Why did you make that decision? And looking back, how important was it for you? Yeah, I mean, if I'm you know full transparency, I did that because no one would hire me. Um, I knew <laughs> that's good and honest, right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I I was pre med for almost three years. I finished with a psychology degree. I didn't really exactly have the the degree that matched with the you know business perspective of of the work of the sports industry. Um, and so I had done a lot of extracurriculars outside of my position, but I think it's really hard to turn those into tangibles, especially cause like in content creation now, like if I was in college now, I can, you know, run with a portfolio to, yeah. uh, if I'm in video editing or journalism. And I think like I, those, it's funny, but none, like I loved all of those, but none of those fit, I think where I was heading. And so at least where I was at that point. And so, yeah, my resume wasn't as uh, as pretty and great as it is now. And, and no, it was really hard, especially because I didn't want to leave um, or I wanted to go up north to New York um, where the leagues are headquartered. Yeah. And so it was one of those things where, again, and I'm sure a lot of uh, students that are potentially listening that apply to New York are running into the same problems. They People in New York like to hire from people from New York or like yeah. from this tri-state area, from schools that they know they've gotten great candidates from. And so... 
Um, that just wasn't the case for me. But I also think I wasn't necessarily ready to enter it at that point. So I do think having those two years at NYU were just, I mean, absolutely essential looking back on it now, because those were real life um, executives teaching those classes. It wasn't yeah. just adjunct per, or, you know, it wasn't just professors that have only taught. And not, I mean, these are people working in the industry that can really tell you what's happening. And I got a lot of great advice from them. And I got a lot of people that pushed me. And, you know, we, I worked a lot really closely with a lot of incredible students since most of the master's programs. And I, I mean, of course, they vary per, per program, but mine was really predominantly like um, actually project based. There really wasn't examinations. A lot of it was real life work. And so that really prepared me into, you know, the little things that we don't even think about, how to converse in meetings, knowing when to speak up, knowing when not to, like the little things that you kind of yeah. learn um, as you you start a job. And so I, I always joke, though, that like the minute I put NYU on my resume, I had job offers or associate mm -hmm. program positions come out of nowhere. So, I mean, it's unfortunate that that is the life we live or at least maybe lived. I think that's changed now a little bit because people can speak to their work so much outside of education, which is great. But it, it was really one of those things that as soon as, you know, I, that door opened for me, so did others. And so I, I was really grateful for that experience um, and the people I met along the way, because it really prepared me for, I would say, the stage in my career that I entered after. I think it's such an important distinction, too, that if you are going to go the route of getting your master's degree, understanding who the professors are and their experience level, because I agree with you, getting that yeah. actual real-life experience rather than from somebody who's just a researcher, no offense to those professors, but you're looking to get that real experience and those yeah. connections. And also location, like you said, NYU being so close to all of the leagues and all of the opportunities right there for internships and other ways to get guest speakers and informational contacts. It just, it makes so much sense. So after you finish your master's, you get hired by the WNBA. Like you said, now you got NYU on your resume. It stands out. Everybody's looking at you. You get hired by the WNBA in social and digital content. Perfect landing spot for you. Right in your niche for basketball and women's sports. What was that first experience like at a major professional league for you? So my actual first, I would say, real experience was when I was with uh, Madison Square Garden, where I worked with the Knicks and Liberty. So I actually did. I worked full time in conjunction with going to school for okay. full time my first year. And I would say that was my real first corporate experience in the in the sports and industry world, just because like MSG Corporation or yeah, companies is a huge um, yeah. corporation. And and I look back on that time so much because I mean that team I worked with was really just like a family. And so I, I go back to them all the time. And and my manager then is still one of my mentors now. And so um, that experience was really scary. I think when you start um, sitting around really important people making big important decisions and you kind of, um, you know, are a little bit deer in the headlights at first and you can't really speak up. But then like once you get into the flow of things, um, it's nice because I am a person that likes to give my opinion on, on a lot of very things about whether asked for Good or for not. You. Um, and so <laughs> I, you know, I'm always willing to speak up in those meetings and it took me some time to get there, but I got there. And the same goes for the WNBA. I mean, it was an incredible experience, but it was one that, you know, I came into so nervous because it is, you know, what you essentially call the dream when, when you reach elite, like it was the dream, like that was the yeah. goal. That was always the end goal. Like it was, again, this was before, uh, I would say how media has gotten to where it's at. Like, it sounds crazy to say, but 2016, like it, 
we it's were getting so there, but it, it yep. has it's changed so dramatically yes. over the past five to seven years. And so, um, you know, the league was really where I was like, this is, this is it. And so, um, that experience was so incredible and so invaluable. I just, I can't even like put, um, you know, value to, cause it, it, there were, I learned so much and there were yeah. so many incredible people that, you know, are that work there. And so I, I really cherish that as well because it, it helped me learn a lot of the little things as well um, in terms of being able to sit down with the executives and plan out efficiency goal setting and, and finding ways to, you know, achieve whatever the ultimate goal is for a project or for uh, the league, you know, and work and how do you play your role within that. And and I think that's something that I even to this day still work on because it's yeah. not the easiest thing, you know, lo- you learn it on a grand scale and and I'm still making mistakes and, and, and I learned, I was making mistakes then and one way and now you know i'm doing the same thing but making mistakes in, in a new way and so it's really all a learning process but um those years there that year there really helped um i would say like put a quadruple fast forward on my learning process because it is yeah. a lot to take on um very quickly learning and failing will never stop i mean as I, i'm still doing it to this day and yeah. failing sometimes <laughs> is the best way to learn and i think being curious and always trying to grow and improve is it's just an, a super important part of being successful and happy, but that's just Definitely. me. Just about three years ago, you started at Slam, an iconic brand in basketball, and you began the W Slam vertical. I want to repeat that. I want to make sure everybody understands this. You're just a few years into your career, and you started a high-growth digital channel focused on women's hoops uh, at an iconic brand. Mm-hmm. Take me through that. You start at Slam. You have this idea. You go pitch it to executives. Like, how did this all really start to happen and come about? And are you even surprised a little bit looking back at how this all came to fruition? Yeah, um, it's really crazy. I actually turned the job down almost twice because I, for multiple reasons, again, like I mentioned, like the WNBA was the dream, right? So I always felt, oh, I'm at my dream place. So like, why am I gonna, why am I gonna give this up? And so that was one, I mean, let me just tackle that one first. Um, I was on a contract role for the W, so it wasn't a full-time position. You know, it was something that I felt I could turn into a full-time. There's never a guarantee of that. So that was obviously like money on the table versus money that's not there, actually. So you kind of had the business mode. I I struggled with that because I'm unfortunately an emotional person. So I yeah, emotional versus logical. I get it. Yeah. So I, yeah. I had some great mentors and friends that sat me down and were like, you really got to, you know, look at the facts of the situation yeah. and, and, and base your decision off of that. Um, so that was one. And I think the other part was, I really didn't think I was ready. I had done an incredible, you know, pro- program at the WNBA, incredible year. Like I felt like I, you know, had so much still to learn. I didn't feel at all like I, you know, was in a position where it's like, now you're calling the shots. Um, but I also had in, some great friends. And I remember like one specifically, I'll never forget, but like I shout her out all the time. Um, you know, we were sitting in Red Lobster at Times Square, very random, because we right used to have to go to Port Authority to yeah. take the bus over to Secaucus. Um, yeah. And she just said, you know, like, you you never know when you're going to be ready. But when the when the opportunity is presented to you, like, why are you going to say no? Like, what's the point? You know, you, you never know if you're going to get an opportunity like this again. And okay, so um, that was really something that I, I mean, I still took it with trepidation. I think even like days after I took made the, the decision, I was still calling my mom like, I don't know if I made the right call. I don't know if this is right for me. Um, and so it was something that I just had to put a lot of faith in myself on and and 
and faith in what others were, you know, telling me. I think that was the other part, you know, because it, it was just a very, uh, very nerve wracking decision. But I'm ultimately so glad I made it. I've made incredible friends in, you know, the people I work with now currently at the company. I've made incredible friends in this industry because of, you know, what I've been been fortunate enough to been give, to be given the keys to start. And and it's something that I mean, it's gotten to me to a place I never thought it would have. So it's just been an incredible experience through and through. I'm amazed by it. I think it's fabulous. It's so something you should be so proud of. And Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll say I've worked in the sports media for a really long time. And I know looking back on the early days of my career, I struggled some to find my voice and to find my point of view and to be my true creative self. I think I was trying to create things I thought other people wanted versus like just putting myself out there. But what I've read and seen from you and looked at your work, I mean, your confidence in this is is stunning to me and your strong point of view and, and you seem so fearless and really get after it. Where does that confidence come from, and how did you learn to trust yourself? Because as you're answering these questions, you're 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 playing it off like you have some some doubts and some current concerns, <laughs> but it doesn't come through in your work. It seems so confident, and and you you're trusting yourself that. and putting yourself out there. How did you get there? Oh man, I'm 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 like a nervous wreck half the time. If anyone that knows <laughs> me, they know. So the it doesn't ones, come off that way at all. Know. I appreciate that. So, and I appreciate you saying that about my work. I mean. I think one thing that like everyone struggles with, but especially myself, is I, I tend to view myself in a judging from a judger's perspective as opposed to like an objective view. And sometimes yeah. I do the same with my work. But with my work, I try to really take an objective view to it as opposed to just being so like emotionally tied. And and people always say it's it's not personal, it's business. But to me, this business is personal. And so yes. it's, it's really hard to to really separate the one from the two. Um it's still something I'm learning. I don't think I'm fully there. I, I think when it comes to confidence is it's, I know that I've put in the work and the effort and the research and the preparation to, to, you know, provide a great product. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I try to rely on that, but I also know and understand that I'm never going to be perfect. And that's something that took me a while to accept and, and really accept, like not fake accept, real accept. It's a good distinction there. Yeah. And so, and, and I don't know if I'm fully there yet because I still beat myself up when mistakes are made as opposed to being like, okay, you know, this happened on to the next. And sometimes I, you know, I, again, I like to overanalyze and sit there and think like, well, why did I make this decision or why did I do this? And, and, um, you know, you can go in circles all day long, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I just try to think of it as, uh, as without so much pressure because that's when mistakes um, and, and that's when you really get down on yourself. So, yeah, I think I'm still learning. I think when it comes to my work, I just I really try to take a deep breath and, and let it go and, and and, you know, rely on my preparation and my skill. Um, but I also understand that I'm only going to get better. You know, growth is still happening and that, you know, even when mistakes are made or errors are made, you know, that's only providing you an opportunity for growth and to get better at the next time. So I try to be easy on myself and and, and have some compassion with myself in those situations. But it's not all the time. I, I appreciate you saying that it comes off that way, but it definitely is not. <laughs> I think that's so important, though, to give yourself some grace. Everybody, this is advice to everyone out there, because I know when I first started in the industry, it was all this grind mentality. It was all this work every hour. Yeah. It was, what are you doing now to propel the brand? Or like, it was all this pressure, pressure, pressure. 
And sometimes you have to give yourself some grace and take a step back from it all or else you're just going to burn yourself out. Yeah. Um, I love that the W Slam brand represents more than just, you know, box scores and back cuts. You're focusing on the music, the fashion, the culture, the activism that intersects with the game. How would you describe your content strategy and your approach to building this broader community in women's sports? I, I think for me, it was always about like, I think Slam laid out a really cool um, foundation, you know, in the very beginning when it came to covering basketball in general, which is really taking an artistic perspective on it. Um, exactly like intersection based as opposed to like X's and O's. Yeah. Um, and so they were one of the first to do that. And I think that was something that was missing in women's basketball. So I thought, you know, the, the, the blueprints there, it's how do we apply it to women's um, and and in the beginning, I very literally took the blueprint. But I, I as time has gone on, I've, I've started you know modifying and recognizing that like you know the blueprint for men's is not the same for women's, and and yeah. you really have to um, think and approach things differently. Which I did in the beginning a little bit, but like as I've gone on even more. Um, and again, like I mentioned, it's a learning process. So like I take a lot of inspiration, or I I use a lot of inspiration from the fans, from the people that love this game. You know. What, am, what do I see them excited to see? What am I excited to see as a person that like is not only interested in women's basketball, but is interested in fashion or is interested in, in music, you know? Um, that's the type of mentality I try to, I think of. And it's sad to think about it, but like I'm no longer the demographic I'm going for. I'm past it. So sad. I know. No way. Stop it. (laughs) You're still square in that demographic. So I consult a lot with the, with my, with my incredible coordinator, Jayani Smith, who's just, I mean, superstar through and through. And I, I, and I consult with a lot of other people um, within the company outside and, and, and just kind of use them as as mentors. Like I think everyone I talk to is a mentor. I don't like to use like mentee. Like I think everyone teaches everyone. So like in a weird way, everyone's a mentor, um, yeah. including my friends. So yeah, I think that's always something that I approach this with. And and I think it's just evolving over time. I think now that I'm three, almost three years in, like my big focus is storytelling as opposed to like general coverage. I think we've, we've gotten to the general coverage and I want to keep doing that. I'm not, but I think my big focus now is storytelling. So, um, more original content series, more, um, you know, insight into players, especially on the high school level. I'm really motivated by telling the stories of young girls, um, because, you know, that's the point in their careers where, and, and they do it for the rest of their lives, but that's the point in their careers that's the most pivotal and where they're making a lot of decisions. And, and we get to see who these players are before, you know, they're on the NCAA stage or the WNBA stage or um, any other um, major stage. So it's definitely something that I'm really passionate about. I spent some time on the YouTube channel last night and the W Slam mission and passion really comes through. The All Eyes on Us series is so good. I mean, Thank I you. love behind the scenes content. Uh, Because you really get into who people are and Mm -hmm. that humanity aspect of it. Mm -hmm. The player features, you know, the behind the scenes stuff, you guys are hitting the mark. And that's clear from your subscriber numbers as well. What's the vibe like when you talk to WNBA players? Are they excited that you guys are helping build the brand and really get their voice out there and their profiles? Because this seems like the amplification that they've needed for the last 20 years, 25 years. Like it's, it's getting here, which is I, I have to imagine that they're inspired by it as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, uh, initially it, it was, you know, such a great response from all across and everyone, you know, wanting to be a part of it. And I think, um, you know, I hope the same can still be said. I, I'd love 
I love working with them. I think they're just incredible, like humans. I don't even like to say athletes. I think humans, I mean, they're obviously athletes, yeah. but like just um, people through and through. And, and so um, it's such a blessing to be able to get to work with them and tell their stories and, and be able to shine a light on, on these athletes who've just kind of been, you know, not necessarily covered to, to where they should be for, for so long, especially some of the older players who are reaching, um, you know, the more the, 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 the end of their careers. And now they're seeing this uptake because of the work they've put in, which it didn't even, it shouldn't have even been that way in the first place. It should have just happened anyways. They shouldn't have had to put the work in, but um, regardless, I know it's, it's exciting for them to see um, a, a change as we move in. And I think, you know, we're, for us, you know, we're still growing and we're, we're still evolving and we're still working on, on getting better and doing more. And so I can't say that we're at a point where we're doing everything I wish we could. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's only getting better from here. Um, and it's all a growth and learning process. And, and I'm really grateful to get to work with um, just incredible people through and through on, on the WNBA front. Um, because, you know, again, like their stories, there's so much to be told there. There's so many stories that haven't been told and don't get enough shine. And, and those are the stories I hope to get to. So yeah. I, I know I feel like I've done a decent amount, but like, I feel like I've also just scratched the surface. So I, I don't feel like I've done all that I can do. There are more eyes than ever on women's sports. We've seen ratings go up from television. We've seen engagement and conversation and commitment from fans go up. Do you feel like the breakthrough moment has happened for women's sports or is there still such a long way to go? Man, that's such a complex question. I, and I don't even know if I can answer it. I think we were in a position where there was so much momentum leading up to the pandemic. Um, and I think that hurt a lot. Um, and, and not only that, but I mean, I, the loss of Kobe and Gigi, like just so many things that I felt like from a momentum perspective, we were gaining like from a future and not that that's by any means gone, but it, it, I think it like took all us, all of us by shock a little bit. Um, but I don't think it's reached there at that point yet. Like, I think that like people need to buy in way more. And like, I'm not even saying me, I'm saying brands, I'm saying across, you know, people are talking the talk, but are they walking the walk? And I just am putting their money where their mouth is. And I just don't necessarily know if that's happened yet. Like I've seen a shift, which is so exciting. Um, but I haven't seen, uh, you know, it to a place where I'm like, this has changed. This is yeah. different. This is a move, you know, movement toward better. I, I know the players are doing everything they can, but now it's the time it's time for the other, for the other half, um, or not the other half, but the other side to, to, you know, step in and do do more because at the end of the day, we can't do much without marketing dollars, without any dollars. And I understand that, you know, everyone's going to make the whatever of like, oh, well, selling tickets and business models and all that. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But like, it, you know, money and effort goes into getting those things, you know, achieved. So um, I think that's where I just see us um, still working towards. And like, I want us to I want the WNBA to be in a place where players don't have to play overseas and, and they yeah. can stay here um, year round and where we have a WNBA season that's longer than two or three months of the year. And, and we're able to turn on a game in November. I think Diana Taurasi said that in an interview. I said to her, I, I asked her, like, where do you want to see it in 25 years? And she's like, I want to turn on 
my TV in November and catch a Phoenix Mercury game. And I yeah. thought that was just like a really perfect way to, to summarize where I hope this league can be. It is. And it's so interesting. I started my media career around the same time as the WNBA launched. And I re- even remember in my early career days, I mean, we had a, I was at CNN Sports Illustrated with this huge media conglomerate. There's tons of staff and everybody was taking bets on how long the league would last. Like yeah. there was already, there was this intention of like, that's not going to work. And that was the attitude. And now yeah. you see it 25 years later, successfully mm-hmm. growing, ratings yeah. going up, sponsorship numbers going up. And I think that everyone connected to the league should feel some, a lot of pride from that. Um, mm-hmm. Just in the last year, well, let's shift to you personally. In the last year, you've been named to Forbes 30 Under 30. Congratulations. Thank the you. Hashtag Sports uh, Creators of Color series, which we're a sponsor of and, and a huge fans of that series. Um, much like women's sports, your profile's on the rise too. What does it mean to you personally to see this growth and this respect coming back to you in this way? I don't know if I fully deserve it. So (laughs) thank you. Um, You're so humble. No, I just like, I don't know. I just, for me, I'm like still like the little like awkward, I don't know. I'm just like, this is, it's crazy to me sometimes when I see all these things happen. Cause like, it doesn't feel real. Sometimes I feel like I'm watching my life in a movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's obviously really comforting. And I think it gives you a lot of reassurance. As like I mentioned before, I'm an overthinker. I, you know, I, I doubt and all those things. So like, it gives you a little bit of that reassurance in yourself that like, yeah. Hey, like the work you've been doing is heading and is, you know, it's good. People are and noticing, then, people are seeing yeah. it and really enjoying it and absorbing it. Yeah. And so it, it's, that's, you know, that piece has been just really helpful for me. Cause I think, like I mentioned before, um, one thing I'm trying to get more comfortable with and I'm working on is being uncomfortable. Right. So like yeah. when mistakes happen, like how do I, you know, handle them? And I think I have to like, again, when these awards come, like, my skills are there. My abilities are there. You know, don't doubt yourself because of one or, you know, whatever mistake or error or, you know, misjudgment in in decision making. So, um, yeah, I just, I think like in a weird way, it's almost helped me a little bit in those areas where it's like, okay, I don't need to do the freak out part. It's let's calmly think about this logically because like, look, your work speaks for itself. Like, Let's let's start thinking about how to, you know, come up with a solution and be more solution oriented. So um, in a weird way, it's, it's helped in that sense. Um, but I don't even know how to explain how it feels. I think like it, it's all a shock. Like I, I did the Forbes thing and like I, I had some <laughs> incredible friends that nominated me. And I mean, shout out to Malcolm and Christina. I mean, bless your hearts. I don't know why you thought I was worthy of this, but thank you. Um, and so I, you know, I remember I, I did it. If I'm honest, I didn't like put too much thought into it. I was like, you know, what it is, what it is. Like, it's cool. I've got two more years if I want this. Like, it's okay. Yeah, right. And then yeah. I I wake up on a Wednesday at 7 a.m. to like 30 missed calls and text messages and all these things. And I'm like, wait, what just happened? Um, so I, I, I don't know. It feels like a fever dream sometimes. It just, it's insane to even think about. So um, yeah, just supremely blessed, not only because, you know, of the, of the awards and all the accolades, but really the people I've met, I mean, that's where I feel the most fortunate, really. It's yeah. the people I've met through this. Like, I, I have people that I can count on in a weird way for the rest of my life through that, which is just insane to think about when you, like, again, zoom out. I love what I do, but like, and, but I always try to think of it from a life perspective. So again, it takes a little bit of that pressure away from you as opposed yeah. to being so, um, you know, 
you think every little detail is the end of the world when you really think about it in a grand scheme of things. But anyways, I just mean to say I'm very blessed and grateful for all the people that I've met through this and that have championed me and supported me along the way. The community is so important and just having so many people you can talk to and bounce ideas off of and get advice from and can push you further than you think you can go. Like all yeah. that becomes so important in your your work community too, your professional environment. Definitely. Um, I can tell from this conversation, you probably will not like this question, oh, but you no. are a leader in <laughs> the sports industry. You uh, are. You lead staff, yeah. you lead people, you lead decision-making. <laughs> You're a role model to many. How did you determine and figure out how to be a leader and what your style is and how you work with your team and how you get things done. Like, how did you kind of get to that point where you could be the person that you are right now? Yeah, I am not by any means there. I think I'm still learning and growing so much from the people I work with. Um, I think the one thing that I've always like from day one, I can point to is that I've always felt like I had I've always been the person that's whatever it takes to get it done. Like I have no problem being the person calling the shots or the person sweeping up the track. Like I have no problem filling any position, whatever it takes to get it done. Like I remember Slam Summer Classic this past year, we had to play inside because it was outdoors. And because the condensation from the air conditioning water was falling, I was like, give me the towel. I will wipe the floor. I don't care. Like I will fill any role, any position. So I think that's something that I've always like, a mindset that I've always like kept with me um, because it, it reminds you of, of where you like, not where you start, but it just reminds me, it gives you a scope. It gives you perspective. It allows you to see like what everyone's job is. And so um, that's something that I, I've always really like been proud of myself for, for yeah. being, but also more than anything, like big thing I've always like, you know, wanted from leaders and that I try to, you know, apply myself is I don't want to be asking someone to do something that I haven't done or I'm not willing to do myself. Um, So I think that's another big thing. Like I, I can't expect um, people who I work with or for or under me, whatever it is to do what I'm asking for them if if I'm not willing to do it myself. So it's, it's something that I've always been really, really big on um, my, my whole career. I think those are the two big things that I would just like started on. And then from a leadership perspective, it's still growing. Um, managing people, it's still growing. I've, I, I, I can't say I'm the best manager. I think I, I try to be, you know, a positive person that doesn't put too much emphasis on our work in a weird way because I, like myself, and I know a lot of people who work in this space are the same way. We get really hard on ourselves when things go wrong. And we have to, and we, and I love what we do. And I don't say this to say it lightly. I just mean so that we don't, you know, again, attack ourselves and give, and we can give ourselves some compassion, but it's like, it's basketball. It's, yeah. it's not, you're not a doctor. You're not saving lives. Like it's yeah. basketball, just like breathe through that. And I think that's something that I have to tell myself all the time. So I, I try to tell that to the people I work for. So if mistakes are made, it's, Hey, it's no big deal for next time. Here's what to know, but really no big deal. And I, and I try to reinforce that because it's it just can become such a negative cycle if you don't um you know again approach it with some level of compassion for yourself and for and for what you're doing i think that's brilliant and i think that is how leadership works so i think uh kudos to you you're doing it whether you know it or not you're doing it right so you finish up with this i know we're coming up on time you've got a busy day ahead i'm so appreciative of the time you've given us today i know our audience is going to love this conversation thank you people listening are going to be jealous because we have a lot of people who are young and love content and want to create and get out there. So let's give them some advice. What advice would you give somebody 
some young upstart, wants to get into the content side, wants to make their name their name out there, grow in this industry, build their profile, and maybe get to a point where they're a 30 under 30 or something like you? Um, I think like one thing, especially at that point in your career, when you're just young and starting, I, I just be willing to say yes to anything and everything. Like, even if it's not something that you think is for you, it's a position that, you know, no, say, be willing to say yes to anything and everything. Um, that's definitely number one. I would say number two is have, um, some patience and compassion for yourself. I feel like I've said that a bunch, but, um, there, not everything's going to happen exactly the way you want it or when you want it. So, you know, just have some patience and, and be willing to, to grow within those moments. So like, if it isn't happening, okay, well then how can I utilize this time to still grow and still, you know, find some level of productivity? Um, I think that would be too. And then number three, I would just say really, I mean, let your work speak for itself. If I, I, I can't really emphasize that enough. Like, I, I like to put a lot of, you know, the media stuff and everything. It's wonderful. And that's really exciting. But like the work is really what this is about and, and who you're doing it for. And like find that passion within it. Right. Like for me, I, I never viewed myself as I work for W Slam or I work for Slam. I've always viewed it as I work for women's basketball to help grow this game, to help, you know, society change the way it accepts um, women in sports. So that has always been like in my mind, who I work for and what I work for. And so kind of like utilizing that mentality in terms of don't think of it as such a corporate, you know, like your position is who you work for. It's think about what's the greater purpose you're working towards. So, yeah, I think those are the big three things that I, I feel like I've kind of uh, kept. And, and I and I would hope that, you know, the next generation continues to, to um, next generation was pretty amazing. Like the next generation of, of people entering the industry is what I mean. Yeah. Not next generation. Um, no, I get it. kind of keeps in mind. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. You have an incredible mission and goal. And I think your focus and, and direction is so clear. I love the content you're creating. You. I'm addicted to it. I know all of our audience will start to tune in and check it out because it's really just high quality stuff. I love the behind the scenes content as I was talking about. This has been such a great conversation to learn more about you and your journey. So thank you so much for coming on today, Camille. It's been so much fun talking to you. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me. Thank you so much to Camille for coming on the show. Her humility was really standout. When I tried to compliment her, I could watch her almost shirk from it. And sometimes to me, that's the sign. That was true. That was authentic. That wasn't her putting on an act. Sometimes to me, that's a sign of a real true leader because she wants to be considered amongst rather than above. She wants to create and develop and work with people. And that's a leader. That's somebody that brings people along with them rather than declaring from on high, rather than mandating, you are bringing people along with you on the journey. That's leadership. That's leadership. I really enjoy talking to Camille. Thank you for tuning in. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. We want to continue to grow and you are a massive part of that. So thanks for being a part of the show. Thank you to Camille for coming on and really, really enhancing our knowledge on women's sports and the W Slam brand. I appreciate all of you. 